This episode is brought to you by March of Dimes, who is honoring National Birth Defects Prevention Month this January 2021. Go find them on social media and share the hashtag, Best for You, Best for Baby. Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Pregnancy Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk all about it. I am a registered nurse with more than 30 years experience working in women's health, 20 as a labor and delivery nurse. I'm a writer and my book, Common Sense Pregnancy, is available wherever you get your books. I'm also the mother of several adult kids and I learned a lot in the process of having babies, raising babies, and helping other women do the same. Now, the politics part comes from my passion for making change happen in the world, for making it a better place for everyone and for our generation. That means a big focus on gender and racial equity. That requires personal change, societal change, and political change. And that's what we talk about here on the podcast. We talk about pregnancies, our lives as parents and women, and the many, many ways that politics make or break our families and um, our impact on the world. So let's see, in current events, everybody is talking about the COVID vaccination. And there is a lot of hope brewing that if enough people get their shots, we'll reach the point where the pandemic will slow and eventually stop and we can get back to whatever our new normal life is. But what about pregnant women? Is the COVID vaccine okay for them? Well, a new statement was recently released by the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists. Now, the vaccine has not been tested on pregnant women. You you don't do very many medical tests, especially pharmaceuticals, on pregnant women. There's just too many risks. However, uh, the American College of OBGYNs says the vaccine should not be withheld from pregnant individuals who meet criteria for vaccination. That would be like healthcare workers um, and other frontline workers who receive priority access to the vaccine. Uh, They also say that pregnant patients who decline the vaccination should be supported in their decision. Women who are trying to become pregnant and breastfeeding, women, um, these women should also be able to choose to get vaccinated. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention agree that if pregnant women, breastfeeding women, and women trying to get pregnant are eligible for a COVID vaccine, they can choose to be vaccinated. But the agency stops short of saying that they should get vaccinated. So I think these are pretty big statements by two major health organizations um, who are officially saying that women can make their own choices about this. They can look at the information available to them, weigh the benefits of vaccination against the risks of vaccination, um, you know, considering that it's not tested on pregnant women, and they can make their own choices. This is super important for women who work in healthcare. Um, There are hundreds of thousands of women who work in hospitals, clinics, and areas where COVID is just teeming. They work in schools, nursing homes, daycare centers, restaurants, and other places where the odds for coming in contact with a person infected with COVID are pretty strong. They can choose. This is progress. 
We can trust women to make good decisions for themselves and their families. Let's see what else is going on out there. Well, some new research has recently been published, and apparently we're experiencing a significant drop in births as a result of the pandemic. And that's kind of the opposite of what we've come to expect from, you know, many other cultural and major crises. For instance, you know, generally nine months after an earthquake or major snowstorm or other natural event, we often see a boom in babies being born. A lot, a lot of babies. People huddle together. Uh, they find comfort and they end up making babies. So you'd think that since the pandemic is a crisis that specifically keeps people home, you'd think that they would be huddling together and making babies maybe, but apparently they're not. In fact, in um, many states and hospital systems are reporting drops as big as 8% over birth rates from last year. So what's going on here? Well, for one thing, we've all been super stressed, and that's not all that sexy. We've also been put out of our jobs, lost health insurance, and in many cases, faced evictions. Again, not sexy. People aren't going out to bars or, you know, getting together as much as they may have otherwise, and so there are fewer unplanned pregnancies, too. You know, remember, almost half of all pregnancies in the United States are unplanned. Plus, lots of families are looking at the economic impact of raising a baby, especially during this horrible economy, and they're deciding, nope, not going to do it, not right now. So this is an extension of the already declining birth rates that we've seen in the past decades. Women and families are choosing to have fewer kids. Uh, they're taking more precautions. They're being more intentional about how many, how far apart, and at what point in their lives they want them or not. It's causing women to look very closely at their fertility and reproductive lifespans and make some deliberate choices. Now, we usually talk about infertility, not fertility. That's, you know, we discuss it when something goes wrong. Not when we want to use the information to control our ability to get pregnant on our own terms. So that's what we're going to talk about uh, with today's guests. But first, we'll take a real, real quick break, and then we'll get right back to chat with Afton Vetri. For 80 years, March of Dimes has helped millions of babies survive and thrive. Now they're building on that legacy to level the playing field for all moms and babies, no matter their age, socioeconomic background, or demographics. March of Dimes is honoring National Birth Defects Prevention Month, January 2021, with the theme, Best for You, Best for Baby, which you can follow and share on social media. Just use the hashtag, Best for You, Best for Baby, that's the number four, Protecting yourself and making healthy choices is more important now than ever for those who are trying to get pregnant in 2021. As we continue facing the COVID-19 pandemic, pregnant persons must take care of themselves as they prepare for their baby. March of Dimes offers six tips to increase your chances of having a healthy full-term pregnancy and baby. Just head on over to the March of Dimes website to learn all about them. That's www.marchofdimes.org slash pp and p. 
Afton Vetri is the CEO of Modern Fertility, a women's health company that focuses on making fertility information more accessible to women everywhere, whether they want kids or not. Let's get Afton on the line. Hi, Afton. It's Jeannie. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. It's so nice to, to connect. Yeah, it really is. Afton, where are you? Where in the country do you live? Yeah, so Modern Fertility is based in San Francisco, uh, where kind of down right outside of downtown in the Mission District. And then uh, through COVID, I have been between uh, Austin, Texas, and, and San Francisco. Oh, okay. Well, when you're in San Francisco, you're in my time zone. <laughs> Austin, what a cool city. Is that where you live? Uh, no, so I am full time in in San Francisco uh, for the the most part. But um, yeah, so so where are you based? Are you in in LA? I'm, no, I'm in Portland, Oregon. In Portland, uh, even better. I love Portland. Yeah, yeah. People who like Austin also like Portland. <laughs> we have some similarities. Our weather, not at all, but we have you know a similar focus on food and books and the arts and you know that kind of thing. So. Yeah. And a great and food scene. Just awesome food scene. <laughs> I know. I really miss it. You know, uh, here we are. <laughs> right? Right. We used remember restaurants? <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's a crazy, crazy world we live in. Yeah, it really is. Well, let's get started. The first hard question is this one. Who are you and what do you do? That really is the hardest question because it's, it's just, where do I start? <laughs> so my yeah. name's Afton. I'm a co-founder and CEO of a company called Modern Fertility. And uh, Modern Fertility is a company that we really started as a fertility information company. And we felt like the whole conversation about fertility was very reactive as opposed to proactive. And so we took the exact same laboratory tests that women would typically do in an infertility clinic if they were having trouble getting pregnant. And we took those same tests out of the clinic and made them available to women earlier in life at a fraction of the cost in a really easy to access format. So it's a, a kit that you can uh, use a, a finger stick at home, like what diabetics use, uh, just in, in in the morning with your breakfast, uh, you can kind of get the process done, send it out to our CLIA and CAP accredited lab, and then get access to the modern fertility experience from there. So customized reports, community, weekly webinar that we call an Aganar, a one-on-one consult with a fertility nurse, all meant to really give you that baseline understanding of your fertility, your fertility hormones, to empower a conversation with your doctor. So that was where we all started. And then uh, this year, we launched uh, other fertility essentials, so ovulation testing and pregnancy testing. So you can kind of zoom in on your cycle in a free uh, cycle tracking app uh, that also pairs with our ovulation test. And then uh, those just went live in 1500 Walmart stores uh, across the country as well. Whew. So you are a fairly young woman. I'm curious, why modern fertility and how did you find your way into this career? Yeah, no, it um, it all kind of makes sense when you try to put the story together backwards. But at the time, it was just a lot of, of gut intuition and just like total obsession with the the fertility space. I just couldn't stop thinking about it. But um, yeah, it, it all started in my first job out of uh, undergrad. I uh, worked at a healthcare private equity fund in, in New York City. And my job at the time was to find areas of healthcare that were interesting, growing, had some consolidation potential. And so I ended up spending a lot of time in women, women's health just because of my personal interest in the, the space. And within women's health, I kind of stumbled on fertility, infertility. 
And I ended up leading the diligence on uh, investing in a network of IVF clinics. And from a private equity perspective, that was very attractive because it was a growing space. Uh, People were paying out of pocket for a lot of these tests. They were very high margin. Uh, But when you really thought about that from a a consumer perspective, um, I I don't think I really wrapped my head around it at the time, but there, there wasn't... Not everything sat just right at the the time. So uh, fast forward from that experience to um, I, I moved out to, to San Francisco and ended up working at a variety of women's health and personalized medicine companies. Uh, most recently, uh, before starting Modern Fertility at 23andMe, I was a product manager running their consumer tools division. So anything that you could do with your genetic information. And I realized that I was waiting until later in life to start my own family. And I remembered these baseline tests that I had learned about back in private equity. Uh, I asked my OBGYN if I could... Uh, if they could order them. And they said, no, you're not actively trying and failing to conceive. Uh, so just come back when you're having issues and then we'll, we'll go from there. <laughs> and so I was like, huh, that, that doesn't sound right. So I made an appointment at an infertility clinic, uh, paid out of pocket for that consult, got a script to go to LabCorp or Quest and get my hormones tested. And just when I got that information, it was so empowering to have a conversation uh, with myself, <laughs> my partner, my doctor, got diagnosed with PCOS uh, as part of that process. Uh, and then starting Modern Fertility was really you know, sharing this experience um, with friends, friends of friends, and eventually hundreds of women and realizing that uh, this wait and see just wasn't working anymore uh, for people with ovaries. They wanted more information so that they could own the decisions impacting their bodies and futures, whatever those decisions might be. And that was really the, the start of it all. Well, that's a really interesting story. And I like your take on educating people about their fertility rather than waiting for infertility. And I don't know about you, but um, I think a lot of younger women are not getting this information at all. I know I got the information from my mom, who was a very strict Catholic, didn't believe in contraception, but did believe in fertility awareness method of um, birth control, essentially, where, you know, she taught us the basics of knowing how to tell when you're ovulating. And then of course, her strategy as, um, you know, a Catholic mother was then don't have sex at that time under any circumstances, and then you won't get pregnant. The fact of the matter is though, I'm the youngest of eight kids. So not so sure that the method really worked the way she intended. I love it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, I, I think you bring up so many good good points within that, that story. And I think, yeah, our entire education system today is focused on preventing pregnancy. So whether it's uh, at school, whether it's in your, your home, I would say, you know, we, we all grew up just with preventing pregnancy uh, being the, the storyline that was dictating the majority of, of conversations and in any environment. And then our whole healthcare system uh, is not equipped to have a discussion about family planning in a 15-minute well visit appointment. And so, mm-hmm. uh, and then, you know, culturally on top of that, you know, having a baby in the U.S. is not a right. It's a privilege. It is not mm-hmm. covered by our healthcare system today to, to troubleshoot and kind of go along that process to, to having a child. And so I, I think, you know, today, with women waiting until later in life to start their families, the reality is that one in 
depending on the stat you you use, between one in six and one in eight women uh, or couples will have trouble getting pregnant. And so this, uh, you know, culture of uh, the majority talking about preventing pregnancy, uh, the healthcare system not being equipped to handle it, and then the realities that uh, fertility awareness methods and, and others, it's amazing to understand and, and own your body, but there are uh, better tools that you can even use on, on top of that to have a, a more fine-tuned understanding. We just, we need better tools and solutions as women to, to really make those decisions for, for ourselves. And that's really kind of the, the all of those things kind of, I, my, my hope is modern fertility will sit at the, the middle and uh, in, in intersection point of, of them all. So most of my listeners are either women who are pregnant or new parents or thinking about it. But I think that knowing about your fertility is pretty important for women, even if they don't want to have kids. I think it's just an, it's important information, but I wonder if you could elaborate on that, you know, for your audiences and your, and your clients who may not want to have kids. Yeah. So I think, you know, both uh, in voluntary childlessness, uh, people that just don't ever want to have kids is on the rise. I think, you know, culturally, we are, are going through a transition where kids were totally essential to survival. They they had to take care of you when you got older to, you know, cultures and, and societies that will do that for us. And so the way that that's shifting around decisions to have kids just across the board, it is just fascinating to, to look at those statistics. And I think, you know, Zoom Zooming into just reproductive health at the center of all of it, I think it is essential uh, for for everyone with ovaries to understand reproductive health. And I think, unfortunately, just again with the the way that our, our healthcare system is is set up, um, it is astounding to me just that the gaps that uh, certain practitioners and um, you know women have in in understanding their reproductive health. Uh, for example, uh, I thought uh, and was congratulated by, you know, my primary care practitioners in the past that I didn't have to put up with a period every month because I uh, had an irregular cycle. And I always thought I was just type A and stressed. And that's why I had an irregular cycle. And when I got diagnosed with PCOS and later learned that actually, um, you know, having too many anovulatory cycles a year where I don't get a period and I'm not ovulating would put me at high risk for endometrial cancer because of all of the unbound estrogen in my, my uterus. I mean, that is is that that that's crazy that I didn't learn about that until my uh, late twenties, and I I think just the the system that we have today for empowering uh, people with ovaries to understand reproductive health is is lacking, and I think that the best solution we have for that is information. And so uh, again, uh, the the hope is modern fertility can sit at the center of that and and be a, a solution for high quality clinical education, whether you want kids or not in the future. Yeah, that sounds great. I think that the word reproductive health in a medical setting usually translates to reproductive illness. Yeah. There's not a big focus on how to be healthy. It's about- Yeah. 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 I think that there is so much stigma and there's so many misconceptions that are tied with that word. And so, you know, a, a big push that we have been um, trying for over the past few years is just taking fertility and bringing it into mainstream wellness. We uh, have all of the ingredients on the back of our clean beauty products. Uh, if we are uh, looking for a uh, home, we have a, a million financial calculators at our, our fingertips. Yet again, our, our reproductive health, our, our body is planning for 
for the future that is still just a, a total black box. And so how can we you know, bring bring this into to mainstream wellness to the forefront in a way that's exciting and makes it engaging for, for again, anyone over is to, to take part and, and just learn. So tell me how it works. Yeah. So uh, the way Modern Fertility works today is you come to our site, you request a test. We work with board certified physicians all across the U.S. to review that test for appropriateness. Um, From there, you can get a kit mailed to your home. Uh, You open it up and it has everything that you need to test. You do a simple finger prick, uh, put drops of blood on one or two cards, mail it back to our uh, CLIA and CAP accredited laboratory. And then we test between two and eight hormones dependent on the type of birth control, if any, that you're taking. And so uh, that's AMH, FSH, estradiol, luteinizing hormone, prolactin, uh, thyroid, um, free thyroxine. It's really just kind of the, this baseline uh, for you to to check in and understand uh, your, your fertility. And I, I kind of, um, we, we talk about fertility hormones as your fertility detectives. They're, they're little clues uh, that, that are not crystal balls in terms of uh, giving you a, a diagnosis or telling you exactly when to start or if it will be successful or not. We are, are working on uh, tools and, and better solutions to, to move the space forward. Um, but it's really, you know, we, we have better predictors. We have more information than just age and age alone. And you really need to go on the inside to look at your blood, your body to uh, tie all of those factors together. And so our digital experience serves as kind of a a baseline. It's like talking to, uh, it's like if um, I had you on speed dial all the time. So for all of my, you know, women's health questions, I could text you. Our our hope is that we're kind of bringing that voice of a reproductive endocrinologist and OBGYN, but not just one or two, you know, hundreds of them that we've worked with to develop this offering um, in to one place, keeping it up to date with our, our clinical team uh, and continuing to just stay on top of, of the latest uh, so that all of our, our customers can have it at their, their fingertips. So then what do your customers do with the information? Yeah. So the kind of information can fall into a handful of of categories. So I think of um, one as just red flags. So one in 10 women have PCOS, one in a hundred women have uh, POI, uh, premature ovarian insufficiency. We don't diagnose those conditions within our our product, but what we can do is talk about how some of the hormones we test tie to those conditions and help uh, people with ovaries have a more informed conversation with their doctor. Uh, We have so many customers that are, you know, trying to, to consider for years uh, and then realize that they're just uh, have PCOS or they're not ovulating and they're able to have this information, have this insight, and then, you know, make, make changes, uh, get uh, a certain prescription and uh, are able to um, change their, their outcome, change their, their timeline in terms of, of having a, a kid in many cases. Some use it to just, um, you know, learn more about their, their reproductive health. Uh, the second bucket is uh, menopause onset. So by looking at uh, anti-malarian hormone and looking at that trajectory over time, we can help you understand if you are at risk for slightly earlier or slightly later um, time uh, to, to hit menopause. The average age of menopause for American women is 51 years old. And since that transition can occur you know, up to, to 10 years before that, just understanding how the menopausal transition uh, with your fertility goals, maybe it 
it, it might not tie or, or be in and uh, at, at odds for overlapping with kid number one. But let's think through kid number two, three, maybe four, <laughs> and, and think how those timelines uh, could potentially overlap. And then the, the third is success in IVF or egg freezing. I think that there is a lot of hype around uh, egg freezing. It uh, can be an amazing procedure for some women, but the reality is very few can afford it and very few uh, fully understand the realities of how many cycles it might take, how expensive it might be. And so kind of going in and, and thinking about the range of, of solutions holistically, uh, understand and, and kind of checking in on, on where you are today is, is helpful. And on top of all of that, we offer the ability to test these hormones over time. So when you look at anti-malarian hormone, for example, you're able to see how uh, that hormone is changing over a year that changing year over year that ties to your overall ovarian reserve and can help give you kind of a, a snapshot and, and picture of how it is uh, changing relative to to averages for your age. Got it. Is it affordable? <laughs> yeah. So my process, uh, I got billed uh, $1,500 when I got this panel of tests. Um, and when I went into an infertility clinic, I had no idea it would cost that much. And it was it was hard. Uh, and that was on top of uh, the, the consult cost. Uh, our price point is $159. That includes uh, all of the, the tests, a one-on-one consult with a fertility nurse, access to our community. And uh, it's also FSA and HSA eligible. And our, our mantra is really, you know, how can we make this available instead of, you know, in in, in niche uh, fertility clinics to, to half the population and pass those economies of scale on. And that's also the mindset that we use to develop future products. Uh, so for our semi-quantitative ovulation test, for our pregnancy test, they are uh, – incredibly rigor- rigorous. We've done clinical studies across all of them, uh, but they are significantly um, less expensive than uh, all of the, the leading brands on the market, just because there, there shouldn't be a, a pink tax. You should be able to get clinically sound products about your reproductive health, have all of the tools and information that stand behind them. Uh, and it, it, you, you shouldn't have to, to have that break your, your wallet. So that kind of mantra has really extended across our, our uh, product portfolio. And I fully, I really appreciate that because so often it seems like some of the more uh, advanced or technological services that are available for women are not available for women of lower income or who lack insurance or, oh, just, you know, the million different people out there who have trouble accessing any kind of healthcare or healthcare information. So your price point is nice. I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it was a big part of why, you know, I think all too often with direct-to-consumer brands and innovation, it's kind of isolated to the coast. And so for us, you know, I, from our product development, I grew up in uh, rural Maryland. Uh, It's, you know, talking to my uh, girlfriends uh, that that still live there. It's talking to people all across the U.S. and really understanding, you know, what are the gaps in care? What do people want? And how can we really hear that and, and tie it into our strategy? And so- you know, as a part of, of launching in Walmart as well, it was really, you know, how can we get these products on the uh, on the shelves of, of stores all across the country and have every one of those products be accessible, but also tied to deeper uh, educational tools and, and content. And so that that vision and kind of meeting her where she is uh, all across the, the country has really been been core to our thesis on accessibility. It's really amazing, isn't it? How far... Um, 
women's fertility and infertility and reproductive health care has come. I mean, you know, in, in, in my early days, there was, I mean, yes, infertility was a specialty and you could certainly um, increase your chances of having children, but there was no real concept about planning that far in ahead and planning your lifestyle so that you could have children when you wanted to. Again, all we were focused on was don't get pregnant until you're darn good and ready. Um, it's, it's just really an interesting way to think about our lives. Yeah. You know, I think, um, it was really an aha moment for me when I first went through this process and, I think, you know, even in starting Modern Fertility, I wanted stats and and tools around, you know, what my odds would be as I, I waited until later in life to start my own family. You know, right now, uh, Modern Fertility is my baby. Uh, I am not actively trying to conceive, but I wanted to understand uh, what it would mean for me in terms of averages if I decided to delay that process. And so we actually, we built that. We built the, the timeline tool. If you go to modernfertility.com slash timeline you can type in your current age, the age that you want to have your first or next kid. And we just pull uh, stats and, and uh, pull them together and put them all in one place around what your odds of natural conception are, what your risk of miscarriage uh, is as you look at different ages. And I think just seeing all of those kids across a timeline and understanding that, oh, wow, if I you know start at 35 and I want three kids and I'm looking at the you know CDC recommended inner birth inner of a few years. Oh, here is how that maps out. And here are my odds for kid number three. I think that now we are just entering this, you know, point in, in time, this this cultural shift where uh, it, it might make sense uh, to be more intentional and at least be start to, to think through that process proactively, have the tools to do so, mm-hmm. so you can be in more control of the decisions that occur. And that, that doesn't mean that you'll be in full control. Uh, there are still so many things that we can't explain in, in infertility, but I think um, starting to, to be educated, to be an owner in that process, I think that is a, a first step is, is a accessible one. Yeah. It's a good first step. Yeah. Well, Afton, what else would you like listeners to know about modern fertility or about your path? What do you want them to know? Yeah, well, thank you for just making the the time and, and space for this this conversation. Um, you know, I think as I I think about you know closing twenty twenty and going into to twenty twenty one, I think you know, we, we saw, uh, in our statistics, just, uh, you know, November and December are usually the, the biggest months where conception happens or, or starts. Uh, and then especially amidst COVID changes, we're seeing, uh, just this acceleration of, you know, through January and February, couples deciding if they want to try to conceive, they're looking for more information as they think about, um, this process. And so if, uh, you fall in any of those buckets, our, uh, in-home fertility hormone test, uh, could make a, a great belated holiday gift <laughs> and, um, <laughs> either on our site or, or Walmart, I just, um, yeah, just taking that that first step of understanding uh, fertility, having that baseline for fertility information. My hope is that these types of, of conversations can just uh, inspire anyone listening or any of their friends to just uh, to, to be informed and to, to have more open conversations about fertility. Great, great. And where would they find that information? 
yeah, so you can head to modernfertility.com where you can go to our website, um, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Uh, You can email hi at modernfertility.com if you have any questions. We uh, are always excited to chat. Great, great. All right. Are you ready for our rapid fire roundup questions? Oh gosh, can I say no? Uh, okay, no, I'm ready. <laughs> you can, actually. <laughs> They're hard too. They're really hard. To oh no. <laughs> I have a, a, a hunch that maybe the first one will be easy for you. What role does feminism play in your life? I think reproductive health is the last frontier of true equality. And for me, spending all of my time, all of my waking hours on reproductive health, that to me uh, is the the last true equalizer. And so uh, it plays a really big role. <laughs> all right. Next one is this. How would you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Oh, gosh. No one ever told me that you couldn't get pregnant on every day of the month. It literally took me starting modern fertility and understanding how ovulation worked uh, for me to to understand uh, that everything that I had been taught in um, grade school and, and college was, was wrong. Uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> All right. Last question then is, where do you stand in the world of motherhood? I know that I want to be a mom, uh, and I also know that I am not ready uh, to be a mom right now. And so I would say I am in the the planning phase. Uh, I think at, at Modern Fertility, we have a lot of planners that are constantly, you know, thinking through their timelines and, and decisions. So I am a very informed planner. <laughs> That's a really good <laughs> answer. Well, Afton, it's been really fun to talk to you about this. I think that you know, we should be having more and more conversations with women about intentionally planning their lives rather than just bumbling into it and fighting through the fog for whatever ends up happening. And this is a really good way for women to get started with that is think about, do you want to have kids? If the answer is yes, when do you want to have them? How many do you want? When do you need to get started? It's good information. Yeah. So thank you. Beautiful summary. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. Really appreciate it. We'll talk again down the road. Yes. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye. Faulkner, tweet me at Jean Faulkner and find us on Instagram and Facebook at Pregnancy Parenting and Politics. Pregnancy Parenting and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. Thanks for listening and we'll talk again next week.